Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The 345th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that, to be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win 54 to 53, North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! You're on way to Worthy, Worthy 5, the Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber, front court, Carolina with foul, he takes the timeout, they're out of timeout, technical foul, technical foul on Michigan, they're out of timeout. Front court, Williams on the drive, gets it back out to head, long outside shot, short rebounded, May, it's over, Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72, and how about them Tar Heels, they are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national daggum champions. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome into another live edition of the show. Josh and Anthony back with you guys on a Sunday. Here to get you ready for Carolina and Miami. That game will come your way tomorrow, uh, tomorrow evening, 7 p.m., in the Smith Center, the first of three straight home games for Carolina. The last three home games of the season. Um, quick turnaround for the Heels coming off of yesterday's massive win um, at Virginia. And so we'll talk about Miami. Update you on everything Carolina-wise. Revisit the first matchup between these two teams before we give our keys to the game. And so much more. But we start every edition of the pod as we always do with the pod thought of the day. Um, we'll go to Chuck Knox for today's thought. Um, and it's, quote, attack your responsibilities with energy and enthusiasm. Give a maximum effort at all times and never and never permit yourself to become discouraged. You know, something you – when you listen to Hubert Davis talk, he's a very energetic, he's a very – enthusiastic guy very upbeat very positive to to be a head coach a lot of head coaches are grumpy um and miserable and frankly that's how i liked them growing up as a kid but it is a change of pace hearing a guy that is a little bit more just upbeat and positive and that's definitely hubert davis but something he talks about is you know giving 100 percent effort competing in everything that this team does on and off the court and i think that's something that we can say for for this team no matter when they fell short 
at Georgia Tech, at Syracuse, and those losses were definitely frustrating and disappointing. We haven't come away, uh, at least in my opinion, in a game this year, concerned about the effort. And you go back to the first two years, a lot of times when they got beat, it was the effort was the biggest reason why we were getting beat and talking about losses. You know, it wasn't too long ago we heard Caleb Love admit after a game at Notre Dame, I didn't try hard in the first half. Like that that, that was something that we had to deal with um, not too long ago. And, you know, was something that's made this team so much enjoyable to watch is for the most part, every night that they've walked on the basketball court, we've expected to get their best effort, um, and we've gotten that, and it's led Carolina to a 21-6 and six mark, and they're atop of the ACC standings with four games left to go, and this team, it, it looks like and it feels like, maybe is rounding into form as we get closer and closer to the start of March. Yeah, I mean, it's starting to feel like that a little bit. Um, that, that dip in the middle of the season is – potentially behind this team. And um, I think, you know, that game in Virginia was so huge and and really was, I think, the determining factor as to whether or not Carolina had sort of put that that two and three stretch behind them. Because, yeah, it was good to to win at home against Virginia Tech. You won the game by 15, but that was one – that it felt like because you were at home, a lot of people didn't know if you could judge the team off of that. When you then follow that by going on the road after the week off that allows you to sort of recollect yourself, uh, get your legs back, and correct some of the issues that we saw during that five-game stretch. Um, You you really wanted to see what the team would look like out there in Charlottesville. And to go up there to end that streak, it now feels like this team – is really starting to look like the team that we think can potentially make a run to Phoenix um, that has a chance to win a national championship, especially if things break right. So uh, th- this is, you know, the, the type of team that we were hoping Carolina would be at this point of the season, and now they're you hope you know hopefully they're going to get a chance to show that here on Monday night against Miami. Yeah, the the, the Miami game is the next game. On the schedule, and, and, you know, I think when we got the schedule back in late August, early September, whenever it was, we viewed this game as a game that was probably going to play a role in the ACC regular season race. And it still is with Carolina being in first, but uh, Miami, you could argue, has been the biggest disappointment um, in the ACC and is one of the biggest disappointments nationally. You're talking about a team that was – um, highly regarded in the preseason. Many people thought had the makings to not just get back to the NCAA tournament but advance deep into the field. And instead they find themselves, they're 15 and 13. They're 6 and 11 in the ACC. They've lost four straight road games, six straight games overall, including losing to Carolina a little over two weeks ago. You can look at injuries as a big reason why. They are where they are. A lack of depth is a big reason um, they are where they are. But, um, you know, no one no one saw this coming. You know, when Carolina faced this team two weeks ago, like at the time they weren't a tournament team, but I think you expected Miami to just round into form because Jim Laranega is a Hall of Fame, you know, caliber head coach. He's done wonders with that program, haven't taken them to a Final Four They've won ACC regular season and tournament titles. And for whatever reason, 
It just hasn't come together this year. With that being said, they're looking for something to salvage what's become a lost season, and a win on the road at Carolina would definitely qualify um, uh, as such. They have four players averaging double-figure scoring, led by their big man, big man, Norchad O'Meara, 17.1 points per game, 9.7 rebounds, 1.3 assists. He shoots 58% from the field, 37% from three. Matthew Cleveland, the Florida State transfer, 13.8 points, 5.8 rebounds, 1.7 assists. He's shooting 50% from the field, 36% from three. Wuga Poplar, one of the best names in all of college basketball, 13.7 points, 4.9 rebounds, 2.1 assists. He's shooting 44% from the field, 41% from three. And Nigel Pack averages the same points per game at 13.7. 2.6 rebounds, 3.6 assists. He's shooting 41% from the field, 36% from three, but has not played in their last two games. Um, it is uncertain um, if he'll be on – uh, on the court and be available for them tomorrow. And if he isn't, it definitely um, changes the way this game is going to be played. As a team, they shoot 37% um, from behind the three-point line. And something we talked about in the first matchup, they don't foul very often. Teams just uh, average making 9.8 free throws per game against them. That's the seventh fewest in the country. And teams just attempt 13.6 free throws against them. That's also the seventh fewest in the country. I mentioned the six straight losses, four straight losses on the road, and one of those losses was to Carolina uh, at home in the process. Since then, this team has just completely unraveled. I mean, they got blown out by Duke um, you know, on Wednesday night, lost by 30. Now, over the weekend, they lost at home to Georgia Tech. Um, and something that Georgia Tech hasn't done is gone on the road and win very much this season. And so, you know, they come in with, all, off the rails. But as we learned in the first game and as we've learned over his time in Miami, Jim Laranega is going to have them prepared. He knows how to play against Carolina as well as anybody that isn't at a, you know, a blue blood program. And I still think with all the negativity surrounding them, they're going to pose some sort of a challenge for Carolina to deal with tomorrow night. Well, I mean, yeah, one you've got, as we talked about in the first matchup, they've got guards that can just stretch the floor. And so that's something that Carolina has to be prepared for. It's, you know, a, a group that attacks sort of Carolina's weaknesses that we saw, um, you know, down in that five game stretch. And, you know, you could say even throughout the year at times are teams that are really for a round one. And that is exactly what this team is. Um, the other thing that, you know, factors in here is, that, as you mentioned, they've lost six straight. At some point, teams that lose like that, especially teams that have talent, because this is a talented roster. There are guys on this roster that we thought were going to be really, really good players for them this year. And scoring-wise, if you look at the averages, you would think this is a group that can score it with just about anybody in the country. They're still averaging 77 points per game, um, which is 85th in the country. So, I mean, that's, that's the danger that I think lies in this game. You have to go on the road there as well. Um, this is this is going to be a matchup that Carolina can't come in and just expect that they're going to roll out of here with a victory, because yeah, there is a possibility that this team has quit. 
I mean, especially with the goals that they probably had coming into the season. I know, you know, losing a guy like Isaiah Wong that you know, a lot of people thought they there might be a little bit of a step back. Uh, same thing, Jordan Miller. Uh, but I, I do think a lot of people believed with some of the guys that they were bringing in with Wuga Poplar returning that this would be a team that could potentially be one of the favorites to win the conference and could be the favorite in the conference because of what they've done in recent years to make a run in the NCAA tournament. So for them, I mean, you know, on the other side, it's going to be all about their mindset. But Carolina's got to come into this game expecting that this is a team that's going to fight, that this is a team that's going to want to, you know, play desperate to win a game before the end of the regular season. And look, it wouldn't you know erase everything that they've done, but beating a top ten team would certainly feel good for this squad and for Jim Laranega. So, yeah, it's all going to be all about how Carolina comes prepared for this game on a short turnaround. The good news is the last time that Carolina had to handle this, it was on the road, and it was in a game against a team that had a lot more to play for than. Miami does at this point so I think you know Carolina should be ready for this one yeah I mean I think um you know Miami's just in in spoiler mode looking for something to to salvage what's become a lost season for them and um I'll reference something I heard Gary Parrish say on the Ion College Basketball Podcast and he was talking about you know whenever teams return a lot of production they get flood in the high rankings and, and much is expected of them because you're returning so much. And even with the losses of Jordan Miller and Isaiah Wong, the ACC player of the year, I mean, you were still rec- you know returning core members of a Final Four team, but it's not the same team. Um, and I think Miami is a good example of that, kind of like how Carolina was last year when they returned four key starters from a team that made the national title game. You can return the same players. You're not returning the same team. Um, and sometimes that's a hard lesson to learn, and we learned it the hard way. Um, and it appears that Miami is learning it the hard way this year. You look at this game from Carolina's perspective: twenty-one and six, thirteen and three in the league. They are atop uh, the ACC standings with four games left to go. They've got a game lead over their rival Duke. Of course, we got the return game at Cameron coming up on March 9th. With the game being on Sunday, Carolina. Um, hasn't moved in the AP poll, um, so they're still 10th in the country in the polls, but they're 8th in Ken Palm and they're ninth in the net. Um, you know, so, you know, they're, they're, they're still being respected by the metrics even after um, a 54-44 to 44 win at Virginia over the weekend. In Chapel Hill, this has been, like a lot of teams, are just different because they're so much better. They're 11-1. Um, at home this season, um, and they average 90 points per game in the Smith Center, um, and scoring, you know, including their last game, where they scored 96 in the win over Virginia Tech. The Heels have four players averaging double-figure scoring, led by R.J. Davis, and is 21 points per game, 3.6 rebounds, 3.5 assists. He's shooting 42% from the field, 40% from three. Armando Baycott, second on the team in scoring, 14.4 points, 10.4 rebounds. He's shooting 56% from the field. Harrison Ingram, third on the team in scoring, 12.3 points, 9.1 rebounds, 2.2 assists. He's shooting 44% from the field, 40% from three, 
And then Cormac Ryan, the last guy to average double figures, he's averaging 11.1 points per game, 2.9 rebounds, 1.4 assists. But um, uh, slowly but surely, he's starting to raise his field goal percentage. He's now shooting 37% from the field, 33% from three. Those numbers aren't sexy, but they have risen over the last two weeks or so, as it appears the uh, – the, the the super senior is rounding into form. And lastly, something that you know we, we've talked about at length and it'll be a, a factor in this game. Carolina averages 41.1 rebounds per game. That is the eighth most in college basketball. So um, we've set the scene for Carolina and Miami round two. Coming up next, we'll actually revisit that first matchup uh, down in Coral Gables. We'll talk about the possible letdown factor before we get to our keys to the game and pick the game. But first, Anthony's got to deliver a message from Autograph. That's right. And guys, do you want to get rewarded for listening to our show or reading our articles? Well, the team at Autograph, co-founded by Tom Brady, is redefining the fan experience by letting users earn points for the act of fandom that they take every day, like listening to the show or reading the articles uh, through our website. The Autograph Fandom app gives you access to your favorite UNC content all in one place and offers rewards like tickets, exclusive merchandise, and more. Uh, They got an email yesterday from uh, my girl Megan over there at Autograph, and she told me that they are getting ready to drop the tickets for uh, the game against NC State. So, guys, you could get a chance to go to the game against NC State just for signing up and getting this app. Um, head over to the Apple App Store and search for Autograph Fandom Rewarded, download it for free, and make sure you use the refer- referral code Heel Tough. That's Heel Tough, all one word, all lowercase. Link and code will also be in our podcast description on the uh, the audio edition. So uh, make sure you guys check that out. We'd greatly appreciate it and get yourself a chance to go to one of these games. They're going to want to do the same thing again at the end of the regular season. I think they're hoping to send someone to Durham for the Duke game. So plenty of great opportunities there, guys. Let's get back into the Miami preview. Um you know, by, by revisiting the first matchup, Carolina won at Miami a little over two weeks ago, 75-72, in a game that, you know, Carolina built a double-digit lead in the first half, saw it go away. They actually trailed at halftime, built another double-digit lead in the second half, and had to hold off for dear life because Carolina did not make a field goal over the last four minutes of the game. But um, it was a game where Carolina made 11 three-pointers to really overcome an inefficient uh, shooting day. They won the rebounding margin. But, you know, this was – you know, you talked about the way that Miami spreads Carolina's guards out and they drive them. Carolina gave up 38 points in the paint um, as Norchad Amir um, and Nigel Pack had had big first halves but were limited – in the second half, and, you know, there's some things that you like from what Carolina did in that game that you want to see carry over. Like if Carolina makes 11 threes, if Carolina wins the rebounding margin, it most likely 
uh, you know, it allowed them to put themselves in a position to, to win the game. But if you give up more than, you know, if you get outscored by 14 points or more, again, points in the paint wise, you know, maybe you find yourself in a game that's closer than it should be. And because maybe they, Miami gets better looks from behind the three point line um, and, and they make a few more of them. And so, you know, there was a lot to like from what Carolina did that you want to see replicated in this matchup, but there was also some areas that needed to be cleaned up, and that's why Hubert Davis was so excited to have that week off uh, because Carolina's defense definitely looked the part on Saturday against Virginia. So with, with this game not, not having the – you know, the the implications we thought they were going to have back in the early parts of the season. Um, you know, this has the recipe for a letdown. You know, it's a short turnaround. It's one of the hardest. It's, it's a great test for the NCAA tournament because you're going to play and turn around and play again in 36 to 48 hours. So Carolina actually has one, you know, one less day than they had, you know, between the Clemson game. But, um, you know, we saw Carolina not be able to get up in the game against the Tigers. Should we be concerned about that happening in this game? Or do we think that Carolina will will we be locked in and ready to go from the opening tip? Because, you know, Carolina has some work to do and they need some help to become a one seed in the subway tournament. But if you lose this type of game, no matter what you do the rest of the way, it's hard to put yourself in a position to be a one seed in the tournament. So, um, and this game could cost you a regular season title. So, or how, how concerned should Carolina fans be with a possible letdown coming tomorrow night? I mean, I don't really think – I don't think you should be too concerned about it. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe just in, in terms of the energy, but even that, I mean, Carolina had a week off, so they should be still pretty well rested from that. And you would imagine that the energy is going to be there right out of the gate in this game. Because, look, I, I think if let's say that the last two games that Virginia plays uh, played had been reversed – I would then probably be a little bit concerned because if Carolina had went up there, blew them out, then you're kind of wondering, okay, this team might be feeling itself a little bit too much again, having to turn around quickly and go on the road to a team that's two games over 500. But honestly, I think that a lot of the guys on the team probably saw that game the way we saw it. Yeah, you found a way to win the game up there. Um, You did some good things defensively, but that was far from the best basketball that we've played. We still didn't shoot the ball well, um, especially, you know, a guy like R.J. Davis, you you know he's going to be motivated to respond from a a game where he made one field goal the entire time. So I I think this is going to be a team that's going to be still motivated to prove that there's more to them than what we saw the other night. I do think you'll see a group that will probably be more confident on the defensive end of the floor than they had been uh, in those past five or six games because that was a game that you you saw. Good communication. You heard it from Hubert Davis. Great rim protection from the guys inside. So I I think this – there is a chance that there could be a letdown. There always is whenever you have this quick of a turnaround, especially with it no longer being as normal as it felt like it was a few years ago. But 
I, I think this is, is still a team that's going to be motivated because they, there's no way that they feel like they played the cleanest game the other night up there in Charlottesville. Yeah, I mean, Hubert said it after the game on Saturday that he was going to allow them to enjoy it up until the team pulled back into, you know, the Smith Center. And I think that was the right approach because I think for what that game meant on Saturday, mentally, you got to let the guys enjoy it for, you know, an extended period of time. Just because there was so much talk going into the game of can you win the streak – um, you know, and with what happened with Duke losing earlier in the day, even though they probably weren't aware of that, like they knew that game was going to play a major factor regardless in the ACC regular season title race. And so um, this is where you you hope that veteran experience um, and, the, and that presence shows up where when the team got, you know, when the team bust back in late last night, it was on to Miami, um, you know, because you're not going to really have a practice. You're basically going to have, um, you know, a walkthrough and a shoot around, and you'll go out there and play. Um, and you're hoping that, you know, with you being the fifth oldest team in the country, you don't have the the Clemson thing happen again, where you just come out not ready to go and get punched in the mouth. Um, and I think I, I think, you know, I, I've never wavered with this team, so I think we'll see the team we've seen at home uh, come out and be ready to play and play at a high level. From the opening tip. Let's not waste any time, guys. Let's get to our our keys to the game. And the first one I wrote down was win the battle of the bigs. You go back to the first matchup. North Chad O'Meara had 20 and 11 and 37 minutes. He was 7 of 17 from the from the field. But Armando Baycott, despite not scoring with Ormi with, with North Chad O'Meara, uh, you know, held his own and had a double double in his own right. He had 10 points, 15 rebounds in 37 minutes before ultimately fouling out late in the game. And that was in a stretch for Armando, who, despite not playing at a high level, has had double-doubles now. I think it's in five or six of his last games. We know Norchad's going to be a problem. Um, you know, he's right up there with Baycott and Filipowski for being the best big, but he's the only big that Miami has. Carolina's got two. I thought Jalen Washington and what he did on Saturday against Virginia was a nice sign of him resurging because Carolina is going to need him um, to play a big role off the bench for this team to conclude the regular season. And as we get ready for conference play, you want to limit the impact that Omir has because he was simply dominant in the first half for Miami two weeks ago. But um, if Carolina's two bigs can better – Miami's bigs and win the battle on the interior, do what they did on Saturday against Virginia and provide a great rim protection and great rebounding. Um, you know, I think it, 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 it does a world of wonders for Carolina on the defensive end of the court, doing what they need to do to put themselves in position for victory. Yeah. I mean, look, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. There's no doubt about it because I mean, even during this downstretch, uh, you know, Omir has been playing very, very well. He has definitely developed himself into an even better big than he was last year when they ended yeah. up making the run. Um, so I, I think, you know, the thing is, is, you know, I, in the first matchup, I just thought that Carolina kind of let him get to his spots. The biggest thing in this game that Carolina has to do, and with – Pack potentially not playing, it might be a little bit easier. 
is there's times you're going to have to double them to get the ball out of the Saints. And, I mean, look, they've got guys that can shoot on the perimeter, but if you don't have Nigel Pack and instead you're switching in Keyshawn George, who missed the first matchup, I mean, look, he's a solid player that they really like, but it's definitely not the same type of player as Nigel Pack, who can really light it up uh, and create his own scoring very easily. So I think, you know, for, for Carolina, I mean, yeah, Armando Baycott's going to have to bring it. The biggest thing for him is he's got to stay out of foul trouble. But, yeah, I'm interested to see, can Jalen Washington build off of that performance? Because he's going to have to play at some point in this game. I would be shocked if he's probably not playing, um, you know, right at double-digit minutes. Maybe if it's not, it's somewhere still in that eight- to nine-minute range. So he's going to be out there for a pretty decent period of time. How does he hold up, especially if he has to be out there on the floor with Omir? Um, and, you know, the other thing is, is I, I thought in the first matchup we didn't see enough of it at times. I want to see Armando Baycott, um, you know, go after him because I, I think that Armando, uh, I, I know Omir is a great player, but I don't think Omir is the greatest defender that, that Armando is going to see amongst the big men. He's very, he's a solid defender. There's no doubt about that. But I still think that Armando can match him in terms of his physicality. I don't think we saw enough of that in the first match. Now, part of it is that you have to actually give him the ball. That would help. Um, but I, I do think that this could be one of those games where if Armando can match his physicality and maybe even, you know, even sort of, Albeit, you know, I, I don't even know the word I'm looking for. Um, you know, if, if he can sort of go after him on that end of the floor, especially offensively, then I think there's a good chance that Carolina can win this game. Yeah, I mean, look, I I thought Armando went blow for blow with Norchad O'Meara in the first game when he was given the ball. Um, and you go back to that matchup, there was six to eight possessions where Armando got possession or position and just was never rewarded with, you know, uh, a touch on the post. And so, because if you go back in the second half when Carolina surged again and, and retook the lead and, and made it a double-digit game, who was the one that was that was fueling it on both ends of the court? It was Armando Baycott. And so, um, you know, I, I don't think – I think after Armando said, uh, you know, the ACC runs through me, he hasn't shied away from going at the best bigs in the conference, Flip. P.J. Hall, nor Chad O'Meer. Um, it's all about is he given the opportunity to to make his uh, his presence felt, and so I think if I think if he does that, he's playing at such a consistent level right now, where I think you know and good things happen when they play through five. Um, if they play through him, um, either he's going to do what he needs to do, or he's proven to be a great passer out of double teams. Other guys will get open looks and knock them down. The second key to the game is is really just getting into their bench and, and and hoping that, you know, you're at home in this game, so the game's going to be officiated different than it was when you were on the road. Um, but having that, that aggressive mindset, because there's a noticeable drop-off pretty much once you get through their starting five. Um, you know, you you've got you've got George. That is a nice player. He led them in scoring um, over the weekend against Georgia Tech. But once you get through pretty much their initial five, it's there's a noticeable drop off. And so, especially if Nigel Pack isn't playing, if you can get into their bench, 
um, and make Jim Laranega use his reserves, that that you know that, that that's a good thing. Also, because he doesn't trust his bench and their bench isn't as good, he'll probably roll with his starters, but make them you know relax the defensively and try to outscore you. And I just don't think Miami is built this year to outscore you. They have been in years past, and when they've beaten you, they've outscored you. But I don't think you know that's that's you know possible in this game. And so it starts with Elliot Cadeau and R.J. Davis putting consistent pressure on the rim. Um, that, that's probably the one thing that they could have done a better job in the win over Virginia. It felt like, especially for R.J. Davis, he just settled oftentimes for perimeter shots. But if Carolina can get downhill, stay in attack mode, get them in foul trouble, and get to the foul line, you could run into a situation where they just don't have enough dudes to be competitive with you over the course of 40 minutes. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, even if they do have Nigel Pack back for this game, you're still only going six deep. I mean, yeah, this is a team that, I I mean, they will play other guys, but most of those guys, when they come on the floor, their liabilities on the offensive end for sure. And defensively, I mean, there's, there's nobody that can really take over the game. So, yeah, this is a team that, you know, coming into the year, we kind of knew this was a six man team. And now, you know, if Pack doesn't play, it's, it's basically their starting five that they yeah. have to roll with. That's where the majority of their production offensively comes from. So, yeah, if you can get them into foul trouble and get them into their bench, I mean, it's going to set you up with a great chance to win. And you're right. And I think part of it, you know, going into games against Virginia, people hear so often that about the pack line defense and how good it is at taking away the dribble drive and everything like that. And it feels like Carolina sort of read into that in the matchup on Saturday. This is a team that you should be able to go after. You're right. Do what your strength is. And we've said this the entire year. This is the strength of this Carolina team. It, it, really the guards, for sure, is getting downhill and getting to the basket. Elliot Cadeau, that's where he's most comfortable. He's not a guy, we've seen it, he's not a guy that can stand out from beyond the arc and just knock down shots consistently. It's not there. Every once in a while he may hit one, but he needs to attack the rim. R.J. Davis, you're coming off the game where you tried to you know, hit those shots from the outside where you create just enough space for yourself and they weren't falling. And this is part of a trend that we've seen as the year has gone along where those outside shots are not falling the way that they were at one time during the season. So you need to put that pressure on the rim. If you do that in this game, I mean, look, again, Omir is a guy, I mean, he he is a solid defender, but he's only averaging 0.7 blocks per game. So it's not like he's a guy that's done an immaculate job at sealing the rim like some of the other guys, you know, similar to, you know, Ryan Dunn, who you just saw, um, guys like that. Um, so I definitely think this is this is one of those situations where if Carolina attacks the rim, they should be able to either finish inside or get to the foul line pretty often. And as you mentioned, if you get into that bench, uh, it could be uh, over quicker uh, than Miami expects it to be because they just don't have the talent there. 
Rebounding is always a, a big part of these games. It was close in the first match. Carolina was plus five on their way to out-rebounding opponents for the 16th straight game. So it's not the final key. To me, the final key is defend the three-point line because if, if Miami makes threes, that's what puts them in a position to pull the upset. They made five in the first half in the first matchup, and that was a big reason why they led by one. They were just one for 12 on threes in the second half, a big reason why they lost. And if Pack plays, it's harder because there will be more space on the court uh, for them to play four around one. And they'll even do some five-out action with Norchad O'Meara's ability to take perimeter shots. If Pack can't play, then the court becomes a little bit more compressed, easier to defend the three-point line, uh, but you still got to account for – they're, you know, their their best players are capable of getting hot, getting hot from three. Like Matthew Cleveland and Wuga Poplar, I mean, both shoot, you know, at least thirty six percent or better from behind the three point line. So they're capable. Um, and so Carolina needs to be aware of that. They held Virginia to two of fourteen perimeter shooting on Saturday, and Virginia doesn't take threes unless they like them. So that meant Carolina did a really good job contesting shots and making them uncomfortable out there uh, behind the three-point line. And that same perimeter defense needs to be on display tomorrow night at home. Yeah, and I mean, going back to the first game, I mean, the second half, Carolina made sure that they took everything away from beyond the arc, said, look, if you're going to beat us, you have to beat us inside. And they also did a good job of taking away Norchad O'Meara. So it made it incredibly difficult on this team. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you look, I mean, Pack, Poplar, guys that average over five and a half threes per game from the outside, um, you know, you or, th- or three-point attempts, not makes. Uh, 4.2 per game for both Bensley Joseph and Keyshawn George. I mean, that's where their offense is. Um, that I mean, the majority of these guys, they shoot more threes than they do, uh, you know, shooting from inside the arc. So I-, I think that's what Carolina has to prepare for. I think it should be the same game plan as the first game, or at least in, in the second half um, of that first game, which is, look, if they're going to beat you, make them have to drive the lane and beat you inside, especially with your bigs playing the way that they are when it comes to protecting the rim. Because I, I feel like y- you should be pretty confident that if these guys are driving inside, your big men are going to be able to win that matchup more often than not. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Pack I think, determines a lot of this because Carolina in the first game, that was the guy that that really killed Carolina from beyond the arc. If he plays in this game, I mean, Carolina's got to do everything they can to take him away, and what they did in the second half of the first game was double him. I think that's something that you may have to throw out there even in the first half, especially if he gets off to a solid start. But if he doesn't play in this game, you still can't set, adjust the way that you're playing and try to, you know, and, and think in your mind that Keyshawn George is going to be a guy that's not going to throw up a lot of threes as well. That's his game. That's his strength. Um, maybe even more so, uh, to be honest with you, than Nigel Pack. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm interested to see what Carolina does, what kind of mindset – uh, they bring if Nigel Pack isn't out there on the floor, but I, I still think it'll be an aggressive one to try to take away that three-pointer. Carolina enters with a 91.6% chance to win the game. It feels like we're playing Boston College uh, tomorrow night, but it is Miami. Who wins the game and why? 
Yeah, I think Carolina wins. You mentioned a game at home, um, which is you know different from from the last Monday game where you had to go on the road, hostile environment, and you found a way to win that game and win it comfortably. Um, this is a Miami team that, yeah, they, they want to find a way to pull an upset um, to end their season on the right note in what's been a rough year. But especially if they don't have their best player, and even if they do, he's not going to be at 100%. Um, I, I think this this strongly favors Carolina. You've seen the depth that Carolina has. They're going to have a major advantage in that area in this game. I, I just think, you know, the way that Carolina played defensively in that game against Virginia will carry over into this one. Uh, I, I think you'll see, you know, R.J. Davis uh, respond very well after you know one of the worst shooting performances that we've seen from him in his entire career. I think you'll see him attack the basket. I think you'll see Elliot Cadeau attacking the basket. And I think you know Armando Baycott will continue to play well inside um, and have a really good game, match up well, uh, even better this time than he did in the first matchup with Norchad O'Meara. Um, I think you know they'll they'll take O'Meara out of the game earlier than they did in that first matchup as well, and I think that'll make it extremely difficult for Miami to hang around in this game. I like Carolina to win and to win comfortably, probably somewhere in the fifteen to twenty point range. Yeah, I I think I think Carolina rolls. I think this team is refocused, they're re-energized. They know what's at stake. They know what's on the line. And for guys like Armando Baycott and R.J. Davis that talk a lot about legacy, winning an ACC regular season title goes a long way towards leaving a positive legacy at Carolina. You can't do that if you lose at home to a team that's lost six straight. So I think Carolina gets the win um, to to get back-to-back wins coming off the week off. Well, no matter what happens, we'll have you covered HeelToughBlog.com where the preview of the game will be live on the website Monday morning. So head over there to get you uh, to get ready for the preview of the game. I'll be back that evening writing the recap um, no matter what happens as I continue to take you through the hoop season. Any news and notes that come out of the Mac Browns football program, Anthony has you covered. Recruiting, uh, the, the combine gets underway this week, a big week for um, Drake May and some other guys that will be in attendance for that. So we'll have you covered on that front. Simply put, check the website, HeelToughBlog.com, every single day, the latest Carolina basketball Tar Heel football coverage. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform, simply search the Four Corners podcast and we will pop up. We're there. We do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. Well, with that, guys, that is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I do want to thank you guys for listening. want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. And as always, go Tar Heels. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that.